Thanks for being here today. You had other options. You're like, yeah, I sure did. Matter of fact, you're, you're wasting time. No, I hope you're not thinking that. Abraham, the, the journey of faith. How much have you, how much have I, in the things we do all day long, how much of what we do requires faith? It's impossible to please God without faith. And yes, faith, the size of a, the size of a mustard seed, produces much. Matter of fact, it can move mountains. But I'm thinking if we want to add faith to our life, it comes through hearing. Hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel, the good news. It's transformative. So today, be thinking about the things that you and I do. You're like, I don't even know you, Pastor. You don't live here yet. How can I be thinking about you? Okay, my wife and I will be thinking about us as well as myself. What is it that you do, that I do, that requires any faith? We live in the U.S. of A, which, thank you, Jesus, thank you, veterans, that we're, we're free. A lot of things don't require a lot of faith, so we want to bolster our faith today. And we're going to look at Abram, soon to be called Abraham. But first, you know I like to start with something funny. You know that. And you know it's appreciative if, I, if you laugh. Um, I hate when a couple uh, argues in public and I miss the beginning and don't know whose side I'm on. I'm definitely on her side because he shouldn't be staying out so late as he's married. I mean, you know, it's... And then I have uh, that moment when you walk into a spider web and suddenly turn into a karate master. You know what that is? The slightest little like tingle on your nose. It's the strangest phenomenon. But it's true. It's true. It's, it's a little bit awkward. <sighs> hey, if you don't know something, you Google it, right? So, I, <laughs> well, you got to watch what you Google, but... Uh, Hey, who is Abram, and why is he so important in the Bible? His Hebrew name, Avram. Who is he, and why is he so important? Why are we studying him this morning? We could take a half hour and study somebody in the New Testament. Well, if all of Scripture is inspired and it's without error, and it's useful for teaching and rebuke. But you say, or actually some say, that passage in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, when that was written, that was written, and only the Old Testament, okay, the Torah, would have been what would have been considered there. Uh, 
the Pentateuch, the first five books. I mean, this is what the concentration would have primarily been. If we're going to take every scripture and hold it to truth, because the New Testament wasn't written, wasn't, wasn't assembled completely yet. So interesting on, on scripture and a little, chased a little rabbit there. He was a small one. We got right back in just a minute. No problem. Abraham, Abram, soon to become Abraham, is the father of Isaac and grandfather of Jacob, who is renamed Israel and whose 12 sons represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob, who is renamed Israel. Did you know he was renamed twice? It's kind of like when God changed his name the first time, it's like he wasn't ready. He wasn't mature enough in the faith. Interesting to go back and study that. For Christians, Abraham is seen as the father of the faith and is honored for his obedience. Did you know that Father Abraham had many sons? Many sons had Father Abraham. Okay, I'll stop. It gets embarrassing when you don't sing well, and I'm referring to myself. But also, the Jews have Abram, Abraham as, as their patriarch. And so does Islam. Okay? The, 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 the prophet Muhammad, um, the Muslim faith, just, it took a different direction with Abram and not Sarai, but Hagar and Ishmael. We won't go into that today, but it's, it's good for study at home. It really is. So there's a little bit of history on, on Abraham. We're going to call him Abram because his name's not Abraham yet, and we'll find out why in just a little bit. Hey, big idea to study. Abram knew Yahweh personally and believed. Genesis 15, 6. And what's interesting about that, let me just tell you, we find God the same way in the New Testament as they did in the Old Testament. Abraham believed, and it was a credit to him as righteousness. We believe. God gives us faith, and we believe, and we trust in him alone, Jesus. Who is God to save us? So pretty cool stuff. What has God called Abram to do? How did Abram do at the tasks? Terrible. He was an eyesore. He was absolutely awful. But you know what? Every time Yahweh restored him and said, hey, that's my guy. That's who I've chosen to use to put the world back together. Go figure. Go figure. We're going to find that in our lives, we have times where we grow, we backslide, we grow, we backslide. Anybody backslide except me? Thank you. Thank you, two honest folks. Thank you. Okay. So there's three of us that grow and then backslide. Okay. Appreciate that. 
We'll work on that as we go. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of unique because we'll look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. The actions of Abram, those good, bad, and ugly, and begin to identify in the midst of ignoring God, deception, greed, and immaturity, that God still loves us. That God still is in the restoration business. He wants to restore us when we fall, pick us up, dust us off, and send us forward to do the kingdom work until he returns for us. He does clearly. And we've got to see that time and time again. Because sometimes you, sometimes I, we get down on ourselves. You have a couple setbacks and you're like, you know what? It's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Going to mess up today anyway. Yeah, you are. And so am I. And so is the pastor across the street. Wait, who's across the street? Uh, the pastor across the street, uh, south or east or west. Forget it. I don't know which, way, which direction or where I'm at. Anyway, however, God says he's still the guy and uses him mightily. Oh, we got to get that. Abraham spends his life maturing in Yahweh. You, some of you are so young. Just having brand new families. And you're going, it's a long journey ahead. Yeah, it is. Some of you are really, really young. You can't even imagine the journey. And you're like, wait, so I'm going to mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up. And God's in the business of restoring, 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 restoring. Yes. You know the, the judges in the Old Testament that were key for, for Israel? The judges. If you Google the judges and their role, it, it comes up sin cycle, sin cycle, sin cycle. But no, 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 no. It's restoration cycle. Restoration cycle. Yahweh, restoration cycle. He's in the business of restoration. Bring your lost friends to church. And we'll talk about restoration. Because... You've, you've needed it. I've needed it. You've experienced. I've experienced if you're in Jesus, if you've got a relationship with him, but not everybody does. Big, big idea today for us. Do you know Jesus as your Lord? Not know of, but also know him. Not do you know about Jesus but do you know him? Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know that because this morning I had bad thoughts about a lot of people and their bad driving. And also in my bad driving. And it messed me up. So I realized I'm sinful and need a savior. Do you know him intimately where you can say, forgive me of that this morning. Forgive me of that. Oh, If you don't know Jesus, stay after today. Say, okay, this Jesus, who, uh, let me meet him. What's required? How much money do you need? None. That's the great part. And you can only be like you are, okay? If you know him personally, what has he called you to do? Because a lot of us know him personally. So what has he called you to do? Well, I teach Sunday school, and I like it. Awesome. He called you to do something. You did it. You're doing it. Awesome. What has he called you to do? You know, there's inventories. 
that you can take. And they ask you a bunch of questions, say, oh, you'd be really good as like a, a, a greeter because you're really interpersonal. You really talk to people and you really genuinely care that they're here. <laughs> you'd be good at that. If you don't have a purpose, you're missing out on blessings on this earth. A little bit or a lot of bit of heaven on this earth. Until he returns. Oh, it's so true. I mean, you're here today. Some people are just like, I'm here today. Check the box off. Now, let's get to life since I'm out of here. Let's get to the real stuff since I'm done. Let's get to the stuff that the world says is important. That's a problem. You're going to be conflicted all week. If we look at, if we look at this here, if we look at this There, right there. I have to stay behind that line, I was told last time. So I tried to, sorry, I had to just scoot a little bit. This is, this is you loving your family. This is agape love. This is a purpose as to why you're here, because Jesus loved you first. Are you, are you sacrificially loving your spouse, your grandma, <laughs> uh, uh, your dad? The people around you, your relatives. I mean, that's a purpose as to why we're here. Just look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. All the commands summed up into one command. Love for your brother. Love for your sister. And then here. That slide right there. I got to do it with just one foot, though, with two feet over in this side. That's the Great Commission. Jesus, before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, said, go and tell and make disciples. Do you think about reproducing yourself in others? Could you imagine starting to meet with some people one at a time, start talking with them about the Bible, take them through a little study, a little booklet that talks about getting to know an intimate relationship with Christ and discipleship, you yourself growing, and then you doing it with a friend, reproducing yourself. It's the highest call in Christ. That's the great commission lived out 110%. So we've got, we've got some things. What has God called you to do? If you go, nothing. No, I'm busy. I don't have time to do stuff with purpose for God. <laughs> Crazy. I work six days a week. You're lucky I'm here. Okay, I'll take it and so will God. That's fine. But if there's not a purpose, you might wander aimlessly going, when is he going to come back? I'm kind of bored. I just get by. Matter of fact, often life's not fulfilling. Matter of fact, it's so non-fulfilling, I'm tempted to go do things that are not so good. Because I need something in my brain to stimulate it. Well, God, I heard there's a pointer. God, God tells us. God tells us what's good. God tells us. He explains to the things that are important to him can be important to us.
I have some great excuses, though, to not do these things because they require faith. Do you have excuses like I have excuses why I don't love people with an agape love? Why I don't carry out the Great Commission? And why I don't sometimes serve in my giftedness? Do you have excuses? I've got excuses. And I'm the pastor. Somebody yell out an excuse. Come on now. We're too busy, and we are too busy. So, Lord, what would you do that you would show me that I could get to some of these purposeful, intentional things? What would you do, Lord? What would you do to free up my schedule so I can do this? Lord, I'm putting it on you. You need to help me, please. What else? I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. When you get really busy, you forget. What else? Too tired, yeah. So, Lord, you rearranged my schedule. Nothing comes worthwhile except through praying. I had one years ago. I'm going to get personal with you because I get to keep coming back because you already voted. Um, just kidding. You should know about me, a lot about me. But I had anxiety growing up. My dad struggled with general anxiety disorder really badly. So he was medicated, and he didn't tell me until like the end of his life. And he said, you know, he, he never really brought it up because it was just taboo. You just didn't do that. It was like you always get people saying, well, you trust God. You won't have anxiety. What's your problem? That's like going to somebody depressed and saying, you know what? Stop being depressed. Get up. You've got so much to look for. You're not sick today. You're not going to the hospital with leukemia. Get out of bed. That's crazy. That's crazy. We know people, if they have a sick heart, they take medicine. If they have a sick kidney, they take medicine. If you have anxiety, I came, I came to the realization at age 40, you take medicine. Matter of fact... I take, I take a, an SSRI pill, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It balances my serotonin in my brain, and it helps with my, my general anxiety disorder and my OCD disorder. And because of it, I can get out of bed, I can preach the word, I can see people come to Christ, and I can disciple people because the Lord has given me through men and women, doctors, a medication that I could feel just all right and not have to stay in my bedroom or at home fearful with anxiety. Oh, was that a tough time for me. Then I found out all my parishioners at the last church are like, yeah, I have depression. <laughs> yeah, I have anxiety too. Oh, I have this. I have this. Thank the Lord we've got doctors who can do that, who can prescribe like that, who can make us feel so we can go out and do his work. Oh, I'm so thankful. 
Some of us, though, some of us go, I don't need medicine. I don't need medicine. And we're scared to death of it. You're going, well, I could be so much more for Christ if I just took my sick brain and I took something to balance my chemicals. No big deal. Was that uncomfortable for you? No, it wasn't for me either. Yeah, I take another one tonight. <laughs> one a day, one a day, yeah. Beautiful. And you know what? Um, when I started taking this medicine, did I start to act differently? Not in the anxiety way, in a good way. Did, did, I, did, I, did it change the way I looked? Did it change the way I appeared to people and the way I acted? It was helpful. Yeah, very helpful. Very helpful. We didn't practice that, as you can see. <laughs> Abraham's call. And it's Abram's at the call at this point, Genesis 12. Here we go. The Lord had said to Abram, Avram, actually, Hebrew, Abram will call him. And I say this, that he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans. It says it in Acts 7.4, so you know where he's at. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, which is a blessing for the land. I will make you into a great nation, land, I will bless you and make you famous, seed. And when it says seed, this is the Davidic line, the line of Christ. Ooh, that's special. The land, the land here is, is Canaan. It's the promised land. It's where you find Israel and Judah, you know, uh, reigning and then failing, <laughs> uh, as you just see. And you will be a blessing to others. That blessing is to have descendants so numerous as Genesis 15 says, the, the stars. You look at all the stars and it won't even be enough. And so Abram's going to be blessed with what's known as an Abrahamic covenant. An Abrahamic covenant that God does unilaterally, one-sided, with Abram to bless all of us today. Because as all blessing went to all people through Abram, we see, we see it here as a promise, but then we get to Jeremiah 31, 31, where the new covenant, because of that blessing, the new covenant was stated in Jeremiah 31, 31, and we've got this relationship with Jesus Christ now. All because of the Abrahamic covenant. That's amazing. So, so, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. This is where it all starts. God picked Abram to re to reinvent, to repurpose the world. After a flood, after the Tower of Babel, he said, I need somebody who's going to put things back together. Abram's the guy. Abram's the guy. But you know what? I've got this but here. Can you say but? When you but somebody, there's always more information. But, but, check this out. This, this is the covenant 
This is the Abrahamic covenant. This is what, this is what we were really saved under, believe it or not. And what's, and what's funny here, land, seed, and blessing, okay? Uh, seed and blessing, this may be a problem because, but Abram marries a barren woman in the last chapter. Sarai, she's barren. She can't have kids. And, and, and he, he marries her. What we're going to see, one chapter earlier, is, is Terah, Abram's dad. He's in Ur of the Chaldeans. And he's the patriarch of the family. He's the leader of the family. And in that day, Terah, everybody worked for Terah. Everybody in the family, even relatives, they worked for that patriarch, Terah. So Abram would have been tied to dad. I mean, to the hip almost. Terah worshipped false gods. Little figurines, you know, boop, boop, you know, you could like play with, but they were gods. The moon god. The sun god. Okay, just to name a few. So, so, Abram gets a call from Yahweh. He's used to playing with little figurines. And he gets a call from Yahweh. And for the, for the next 200 years, Yahweh shows Abram what a real God does and is. And how forgiving and how gracious and how merciful he is. So we could see it with him and we could ride, ride on those shoulders and ride on that back. Pretty powerful. Check this out. This is a little bit confusing. One day, Terah took his son, Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarai, and his grandson, Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. That's where Abram got the call. He was headed for the land of Canaan. Why was dad headed for the land of Canaan? That's weird. God didn't call him, called Abram. So it's like, this is weird. But they stopped in Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Next chapter. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. Do you see? Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Do you see a problem? Do you see a problem? He's called to go to a place that, that God really hasn't disclosed to go. And he's, and he's telling that to dad because there's no other way dad would have gotten that. Not through his little figurines, not through his idols, but dad's, dad's wanting to go. So Abram gets the call. He knows where he's going because he's got to take a step, a foot, uh, foot forward and step out. But dad's coming, and so is the family. That's weird. He was told not to take the family. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. 
He doesn't do it. The whole family goes. The whole family goes. And they go, they're going from Ur. Where's the first stop? Haran. And then Canaan, promised land. They get as far as Haran, and then they need to stop. And let's see what happens. Wow. So wait a minute. I can do something totally different from what God says, and he still, he still can bless me, and I still can work for him, and it still matters what I do, it still counts? Yeah. Everything. And by golly, if you blew it this morning, take John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, and confess the wrong. Go to the person you wronged, make it right, and start over again. He gives us that in this wonderful revelation. So, fast forward to verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him. As you know from the last chapter, they stopped at Haran. Okay? And settled there. Terah lived there and then died. So Abram stayed with dad and the whole patriarchal family until dad died. It's like, well, God said to go and to move. He, no, not ready. Not ready. Too new in the faith. <laughs> not ready. And God says, okay. But at some point, God calls you to do something. At some point, it's time to be ready. So here we go. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth and his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. Do you see another problem? Do you see another problem here? He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land. God said, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. Uh-uh. Not ready. Need my family. Not ready to go. God says, okay. I'm still going to work with you. I'm still a God of restoration. I'm still going to help you. Can you see this Yahweh? Can you see our God is worth the journey? Young, middle-aged, older. And we're not done until we're dead. Until there's no more breath. We're still on a journey. And we're still going to be in a place where that graph, you go up and down, up and down, up and down. But you want to keep going up, following God's ways. His will is principle here. Hey, why Lot? Why Lot? Why do you take Lot? It's like, well, Lot's dad had died. Okay. But he would have been okay to leave Lot behind still, even though Lot's dad had died. Well, he took Lot because remember in Genesis 12... Verses 1 and 2, 
the promise, the covenant, you're going to have all these descendants? Remember that? So he's like going, my wife's barren. My wife's barren, and uh, it doesn't look good. So he's thinking like, he's going to start this family through Lot. I mean, that would be the only thing, conceivable thing, that we could actually muster to go, why Lot? And what's weird, Sarah, Sarai being barren, think about this. She's barren. The patriarch in the family, the dad, that's why Terah, everybody lived for him and served him, got their paycheck, so to speak, from him. Abram married Sarai, barren. Him thinking, I'm not going to have this big patriarch. I'm not going to be the big honcho patriarch, uh, patriarch of the family. I'm not going to have that kind of family because I married a barren woman. That's love. He forwent his own future. He forwent his, whole f- his own future to, to marry this woman because, because she, she was barren and it, it was frowned upon to be barren. And he had mercy on her. He had gracious mercy and love for her. Abram is doing things his own way. Would you read that? Let's read it together. Abram is doing things his own way. Again, Abram is doing things his own way. Again, Abram is doing things his own way. When we first come to follow Jesus, it's up and down. And often our way or the highway. Is that true? I'll do it my way. I know I could give a little more, but you know I've been saving for this couch. And I'm sick of waiting I deserve a good couch. And we just, we bargain with God and we, and we, and we just, we go back and forth with the Lord. But, but what we see here is he'll use it. He'll use what we'll give him. God says, I'll take it. I'll take it. What you given him right now, I'll take it. And I'll multiply it. Now, spiritually, he'll multiply it. Ephesians 1, 3. Not, not by you give, I get more. I give a hundred, I'm trusting God for a thousand. No, 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 no. That's not the New Testament. <laughs> so we've got to be careful with that. Four verses later, okay, it gets a little bit more strange. Four verses later, Sarai and Abram journey to get to the promised land. They get to the promised land. They get there. Woo! Verse 10, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan forcing Abram to go down to Egypt. He got to the promised land. And guess what? There's a famine, and he leaves. He's not supposed to leave. He's supposed to get to the land and stay there as God had called him. But he leaves, and he's going to go into a whole different narrative, different gods, different people, and it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. Now, I say Nile flood cycle there. Why he went to Egypt is the Nile River would flood in in, in very precise times when it was likely that Canaan would have a drought. 
and food would be scarce. So that's what he goes down for. Now get this. This is where he's a little deceptive. This is where he's a little deceptive. Is it fun to study the Bible? Is it fun to go verse by verse? Okay. It it, kind of is. (laughs) It kind of is. Okay. So as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them, you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. So he's, he's vying for his life. We got to eat. We got to go down to Egypt. Then he says, tell them, you're my sister. Well, it's not a complete lie. Because what, what historians and theologians would say is Abram, okay, we've got same, we've got same father, Terah, but different wife, Sarai. So it's like a half-sister. But the way he says it, sister, that's deceptive. He's saying, sister, clearly my sister, not married. Deceptive. Deceptive. This is my, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Treat him well. Abram's looking to make some money. Abraham's looking to get rich. He's going to be in the money sooner than he thinks because he's got a plan. Ooh, yeah, come on. Take those Benjamins down. Here we go. Now, here's the weird part. If that's his sister, he would be kind of considered the patriarch. People are going to want to come up to Sarai because she's about 64, 65 years old. And from what I understand, guys, she looked like Raquel Welch. Some of you are going, Raquel Welch? 65, you lost me there, Don. 65, you lost me there. No, 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 not even close. Anyway, so, so, so he's going to make some money. They're going to come and court Sarai and they're going to bring him lavish gifts. He's going, to be, he's going to be rich. He can see it. I mean, he would be dancing when he gets the dopamine flooded in his brain to say, hey, this plan's going to work. We're going to get food. You're going to be courted. And we're going to get lots of gifts that we'll take back to the promised land. But... Deception rarely works, right? It doesn't ever work. (laughs) It comes back to bite us. It came back to bite him. Uh, Let's go on. Let's go on here. Verse 14, and sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. Woohoo! Wait. Okay. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her sheep, because of her, excuse me, sheep, goats, 
cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels were, were given to him. But guess what? The one person he doesn't want to have courting his wife is courting his wife. It's Sarai. It's Pharaoh. Together. Sitting in a tree. Okay. thought that would resonate with the younger ones, but it didn't. Remember that? K-I-S-S-I. Okay. No, that was terrible. I'm sorry. But uh, about this time, you're like going, well, if he doesn't finish kind of soon, I might just nod off. Hey, let me know if he says anything important. Why not? Um, anyway, no, I'm going faster. We're almost done. Anyway, then Pharaoh gave Abram money. When the palace officials, oh, that's good music. That's good background music. If you could turn that up, that'll be perfect with the slides. And Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts. It says, when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarai was taken. Um, and Sarai was taken into the, his palace. I've got this one word here. Check it out. Female servants. Female servants. Guess who they got. Abram got this gift of a female servant that he took back to Canaan, we'll find out. Hagar. Hagar, the one that they ruined the story, the beautiful story of God's promise with first, and then get, then get forgiven and restored. But they got the Egyptian maidservant from going to Egypt when they weren't supposed to go there. Oh, do you see how this is kind of ugly? God uses broken people. Amen? Amen. And so he's just gearing up to do some great stuff in us now. Okay, he really is. Finally, Genesis 15, but Abram, but Abram said, Oh Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? See, he was, he was promised blessing on, on, on these descendants and his seed. And, and you'll see, not here, but if you look at the text beyond verse 3, it says, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. You see that. So, so he already knows that. And he's going, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Okay, so his, 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 his number one servant, his head of household in terms of servanthood. Guess what? When this happens like this, and there's a blank here, there's a blank here. You know what that means? You know what that means? In a Hebraic uh, kind of fashion, it means that God was silent. This is a whole separate conversation, verse 1 and 2, and then there's silence. I don't know if it's a day, two weeks, a month. There's silence. There's silence there, okay, in this, in this Hebraic way that it's, but Abram said, and then there's nothing from God, and then he comes back, and Abram said, with a little bit more fire in his belly, comes back a little more fire in his belly, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. So when you go to God like that, and you're demanding an answer, I mean, a lot of us pray, a lot of us pray, Lord, show me. Show me what it is you want us to do next. And he's silent. And you go, Lord, show me. I have prayed a week. Would you please show me? 
Would you please show me? Here's a testament that when God shows you something, especially a little something, and you respond really quick, danger, 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 Will Robson, danger, danger. So, so here we've got here. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Oh, finally, it's God, it's God. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. That's a half answer. What does that mean? My wife's barren. We're in the same place as we were. So, so when we pray, ask God, ask God, ask God. And God finally responds. And he doesn't give us the whole picture, but part of the story. Our three-pound brains can mess it up quite easily unless we know the full story and wait on God. Does that make sense? Yes. Until we know the whole story and wait on God, we get the part story. Guess what? Abram and Sarai, okay, okay, uh, I'm barren. <laughs> You're not. Uh, uh, we got Hagar. We got Hagar. Okay, okay, this is going to work. This is going to work. We're going to start this. It's God's way. No, it's not. So be careful there. Hey, let's close. Let's, let's, let's close this up here. Abram is just starting to get his spiritual legs. There are many more chapters ahead. If I go any further, um, I'll have just one person here um, that remains, and it'll probably be my wife. And, um, and I say probably, because she may be tired too. Um, anyway, so, uh, but anyway, many chapters ahead. Abram eventually matures in the faith. If you read on, you'll see he matures, but he keeps going. He keeps growing. He keeps going and growing. And so we got to do that. Go and grow. Go and grow. Set back. Go. Keep going. Keep going. You will see Abram and his role in the blood path covenant. Oh, that was like a courting covenant. So somebody betrothed, they would go through a blood path covenant. Really kind of funky if you want to read it. Circumcision. Oh, fiddle. Wrong button. <laughs> Circumcision. No more, no more rainbow in the clouds, uh, the Noahic covenant. No, this is, this is a covenant that Abram will never forget. Circumcision. <laughs> and you see it when he's like resting. Anyway, it's, it's chapters to come. Um, anyway, uh, the near sacrifice of Isaac on Mount Moriah. You're going to see him stay with Yahweh. Stay with God and watch the blessing. Had he been distracted, had he backslidden and never come back, Ooh, the story. We wouldn't be here. <laughs> we wouldn't be here. Uh-uh. Sorry, we wouldn't. Okay. Abram's, um, Abram's name. Abram was exalted father. Changed to Abraham, if you read on. Father of a multitude. That makes sense. And Abraham is noted in Hebrews 11, the, the faith chapter. This is one of the main patriarchs. Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. Be a good poster. Patriarchs. You know, kind of like the, uh, the Super Bowl MVPs. Kind of like, uh, yeah, they're the patriarch M MVPs. Hey, so to close today, do you know Jesus, this, this Yahweh? Do you know the God that came to save you and died? 
And if you don't, I can explain it more. You just come forward in just a little bit when we dismiss and we'll talk about it. And then finally, if you know him personally, what has he called you to do? What has he called you to do? If you don't know, we must talk about how you can take an inventory and see what your gifts are. If you don't have a purpose and you're not called to do something, you're going to find that church becomes mundane and boring. And you'll only be able to do it so much. And you'll feel like, okay, I've got these points built up now. I can miss for three months. Because I was there for 12 months straight. You can see my calendar. It'll be the twistest, the twistiest little system. And you'll just go, no, it's just not going to work out. So find a purpose. And if nothing else, love the family with an agape love today. A sacrificial love where their needs come before yours. And then we'll work on the Great Commission, the discipleship. We'll, re- we'll work on going and telling and bringing people and then discipling them. And even you being discipled, that would be fair as well. Jesus, thank you for today. Lord, we went, we went long. Um, Jesus, we went really long. But, uh, but Lord Jesus, I don't get to come back for a couple weeks. And so I just miss this so badly. But Lord, help us to look at Genesis 12 like never before. We can go teach this to somebody else because you've entrusted us with this information. So Lord, wherever we are, help us to know the trajectory is to keep keep going forward with the paramount fundamentals of the faith. Agape love, the great commission and knowing our area of giftedness and serving there. Oh, help us not forego that and forget that, Jesus. We love you. And Lord, help everyone right now, just sitting wherever they're sitting, make a commitment just before you to say, I'm going to love with an agape love. Even though when I go home, somebody's going to tick me off. and It's going to be bad. But Lord, we can, we can give that to you because vengeance is yours, saith the Lord. So may it be that we just see you in a light of great mercy because we do know that you've worked with people, biblically speaking, and given them multiple chances after multiple failures. Thank you for that for us, Jesus, in your precious name.